Yay. <laughs> Welcome to you, those of you in this room and those joining us in the core and those joining us at home. It's great to be together, even in our various ways this morning. Um, it's good to see all of you uh, bright, shiny faces. Let's just get started with some music and uh, stand up and worship the Lord together. He awakens our hearts to worship Him. So let's sing about that this morning. Y'all join me this morning. There were walls between us by your grace. Broke them down. Broke them down. There were chains around us. By your grace, we are no longer bound. No longer bound. You called me out of the grave. You called me into the light. You called my name and in my heart came alive. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Feel the darkness shaking. All the dead are coming back to life. Oh, back to life. Hear the song awaken. All creation singing, we're alive. Cause you're alive You called me out of the grave You called me into the light You called my name And in my heart came alive Your love is greater Your love is stronger Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me Your love is greater Your love is stronger Your love awakens, awakens awakens me and what a love we found death can hold us down we shout it out we're alive cause you're alive and what a love we found death can hold us down we shout it out we're alive cause you're alive and what a love we found death can hold us down we shout it out we're alive cause you're alive your love is greater your love is stronger your love awakens 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 me your love is greater your love is stronger your love awakens 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 me your love is greater your love is stronger your love awakens 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 me your love is greater your love is stronger your love awakens 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 me your love awakens me your love is greater your love is stronger your love awakens 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 me. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning. 
So humor me just a minute. Uh, take your arms and put them out straight out in front of you, like this, both arms. Reach around and go like this. That's called, you've heard of a bear hug? That's an air hug. I know, that's bad. It's very bad. Anyway, we are so glad uh, to be back with you this morning. Glad that you're here. We're people in here. We'd be excited. Looks like we've surpassed that. So thank you for coming out this morning. And we understand if you're still at home, uh, we've had to talk to this camera every week, and it's been kind of weird. Uh, you can ask Pastor Scott about that. Uh, we've gotten a little used to it, but, man, we like having real people uh, in here. So we're excited that you're back with us, uh, those in the core and those at home. Thank you for being in, uh, with us in worship and joining us this morning. I do want to tell you about something that's come up. We're really excited about next week, but we need your help with something. We need you to begin praying. We want a beautiful day next Sunday. Um, I know it's a, a long forecast, but they're already showing there's a little rain cloud with raindrops on my forecast. Let's pray that we just have a beautiful day. It can change in a week, uh, that, that forecast. But next Sunday, uh, mark your calendar. It is a little bit different schedule. Uh, if you would like to come and eat on the, on the property, we're going to be here at 1130. Bring a picnic basket. Uh, go through the line at Bojangles or pack your lunch at home. But bring all that you need for your family that comes with you. And if you would like to set a pop-up tent up down there, you can do that around the perimeter. Uh, normally, like when we set up for fall festival, that section's going to be uh, sectioned off, and we'll have a stage up near the front of the core. And so at 1130, uh, we'll come and eat together. You don't have to come to that part. Then at 1215, uh, we'll begin the service, and we've got some exciting things planned. One of those is an outdoor baptismal service. Uh, which I'm excited about because we've got several people that uh, need to be baptized. And so we'll do that next Sunday, and that's something that uh, you can look forward to. And I'm, I'm hoping if that's a great service that maybe we make that sort of a regular thing. We'll see. But anyway, uh, be, watching, be watching if it comes to the weekend, and it looks like we may have rain. Uh, be looking at the website. Be watching social media. We'll try to make a call early enough so that you know what to do the next day. Probably if we have to make it late Saturday, somewhere in that time frame, uh, maybe even some Sunday morning, but to be, be able to prepare if there is rain, you'll probably hear something Saturday afternoon, evening. But anyway, uh, again, thanks for being with us. I do want to read some scripture this morning. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Romans chapter 12, and I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation, but you follow along in your copy of God's Word. Uh, you at home even, we'd love for you to turn in your Bible to follow with us. Romans 12 starting in verse 1. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. 
In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Be patient in trouble. And keep on praying. <laughs> when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Hmm. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kevin. You may not be as happy to see my face, but I sure am happy to see your face. It's been a long time. And I tell you, preaching to a camera is hard. There's no feedback. There's no amens. And it's different. Uh, Richard Jarvis emailed me this week and said, What am I going to do Sunday? I, I'm accustomed to getting up and going to the bathroom and going to my refrigerator in the middle of your sermon. I'm not going to be able to do that. <laughs> Seriously, though, it is good to see everybody. Uh, and we're so grateful for the technical abilities that Jonathan Turner has. And uh, I, I tell you, he is our tech techie guy on staff and he's put all this together for us each week and we're so grateful uh, to him for that. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Can we do that right now before we continue? God, thank you for our church family. You have created us to be in community. If we've learned over these past few months, it is that we are a body and your plan is not for believers to be on their own. God, we want to pray for those families who have suffered loss since we last met. I think of uh, Carter Leach and Steve Collins with uh, Nancy. And Claude Oxford who passed away this, this last week. Dolores Haney losing her husband. God, we pray for these people that you would fill the void that's in their lives. Comfort them. You're the God of all comfort. Be their tower of strength and refuge. God, we pray for all those who are suffering and ill. We also want to thank you for the men and the women who have laid down their lives for this uh, country. God, we thank you for their sacrifice, for our freedoms, and we remember them and their families this Memorial Day weekend. Lord, be with the military men and women today who serve and watch over them through the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. God, we ask that you would move today in and through your church. 
You've told us that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we certainly know that a virus will not have the last say. Lord, strengthen us for our mission to the world. We know that many around us are fearful. Help us to be a voice of hope to them as we share the good news of Jesus Christ our Lord. May we truly be salt and light. Lord, forgive us of our sins, cleanse us, and renew a right spirit within us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Scott mentioned tomorrow, obviously we remember those who have given the ultimate sacrifice for our country, but every day we should remember the sacrifice that our Savior gave for us. Amen. Let's sing about that. Would you join me together? This is one of my favorite songs and a great one for today, I think. So let's sing together and lift our voices. We will remember, we will remember, we will remember the works of your hands. We will stop and give you praise for great is thy faithfulness. You're our creator, our life sustainer, deliverer our joy throughout the ages you've been our shelter our peace in the midst of the storm with signs and wonders you've shown your power with precious blood you showed us your grace you've been our helper our liberator the giver of life with no end. We will remember, we will remember, we will remember the works of your hands. We will stop Life's darkest valley, we will look back at all you have done. And we will shout, our God is good, and He is the faithful one.
What an amazing God we serve. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Remembrance of our fallen heroes of our nation's finest. To remember is to honor the ultimate sacrifice that millions have paid so that future generations might be free. Remembrance imparts dignity to the sacrifices made and the ones who made them. Remembrance defines purpose for why so many fought and so many died. Remembrance reflects our values from the ideals that guide us to the gratitude that humbles us. Remembrance creates a legacy for the men and women who died and the inalienable God-given rights their sacrifices preserved. From revolution to preservation, in times of uncertainty and clarity, when our nation called, the brave responded. The courageous fought, and some gave it all. For our safety, for our rights, for our civilization, for our freedom.
Let me remind you of what the end of the service will look like today when I finish the message and lead us in a prayer of invitation. We will simply be dismissed after that. If you need to counsel with one of the pastoral staff members, our email addresses will be up on the screen. We just didn't know if it'd be a good idea to be having folks close down here uh, at the altar. So here and, and the core, both those watching and the core, our email addresses uh, will be up. And I mentioned Claude Oxford passing last week, a moment ago. His service will be this coming Saturday at 10 a.m. in this room right here, uh, visitation and then the service. Find Jude, the little book of Jude, probably along with 2nd and 3rd John, I would imagine, and I'd say Philemon as well, Philemon, 2nd and 3rd John and Jude are without a doubt the most neglected books in our New Testament. A couple weeks ago I was reading Jude and studying some and I thought, you know what, he has a wonderful way of summing up so many things that we need to be mindful of. I want to bring a message this morning uh, entitled living in the last days living in the last days and we're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning but would you stand with me for the reading of God's word and I cannot tell you how good it is to see a congregation opening their Bibles and standing with me and being able uh, to see this it's wonderful now let me say there's a lot in this little book that we won't even try to get into today uh, we're going to concentrate on verse 3, and then we're going to, uh, although I will read the chapter, we're, uh, we'll concentrate on verses 17 and following. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. You know who that also made him a half-brother to? Jesus. To those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. Although you already know this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fate or eternal fire. In the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, 
when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, The Lord rebuke you, yet these people slander whatever they do not understand, and the very things they do understand by instinct, as irrational animals do, will destroy them. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These people are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. There are wild waves of the sea foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who, want, uh, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence, without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all, uh, through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Folks, I got a question for you. If you were to take a guess, if you were to just take a stab at the number one question during this past two or three months that people have had for me, what do you think that question would be? Pastor, are we living at the end? Is this the end? Is Jesus about to come back? And I want to remind you of something. First of all, since the first advent of Jesus Christ, the Bible says what? Yes, we have been in the last days. The incarnation of Jesus Christ ushered in the last days. The Bible speaks of this age 
and the age to come. And the writer of Hebrews says how God spoke to us in lots of different ways in times past, but in these last days, he's spoken to us through Jesus Christ. And then Simon Peter in his sermon on the day of Pentecost explained what was going on to the crowd. He said, Joel, the prophet Joel, wrote to you about what was going to happen at the end in the last days. And what you are seeing here today is that. It's what Joel spoke about. And so that means that, yes, we are in the last days. But you know, at the same time, I realize that's not what people have been asking me. What people have been asking me is, are we at the end of the end? And you know what my answer to that question is? Only God knows. In fact, remember Jesus, what he said about that? He said, only the Father knows the answer to that question. Now certainly there are signs that Jesus spoke of as well as other biblical writers speaking of these signs. If you look at the signs, one would be led to believe that the second coming of Jesus Christ must be near. But I also want to remind you that near in God's timing might be very different from near in man's timing. I would also caution us that every time something bad happens in the world, every time there's a 9-11 or a tragedy somewhere or another virus, I want to remind you that every time that we see this does not necessarily mean that we are right at the end. That's a common miscalculation Christians have made through the centuries. Remember that old show, Name That Tune? It's kind of pointless for Christians to play the game, Name That Ending. It's kind of fruitless. The counsel that the Scripture gives, including the words of Jesus Christ Himself, are that we simply need to be ready. We need to be watching, and we need to be ready. Because if you're ready, it doesn't matter if it happens this afternoon or a hundred years from now or a thousand years from now. If you're ready, you're ready. I'm going to talk more about this in a moment, but I do want to say I understand people's anxiety. After all, you've got to wonder what's going on. Just the rapidity with which we're seeing terrible things happen in the world today. And all the evil and violence and corruption out there. There's hardly a category that we could mention that we're not seeing disturbing headlines. But again, the Bible reminds us all of these things are going to happen. And it only means that your redemption draweth nigh. Folks, we're getting closer to the coming of the Lord than we've ever been before. Think about it. We've never been this close before, right? Now, Jesus instructing us how we need to respond to these times. As believers, we don't need to be afraid. 
Folks, during these days, we don't need to be fearful as the church. We're not to hide our heads in the sand either and prepare that things aren't happening. We certainly don't want to give up on our faith because Jesus told us also those who endure to the end will be saved. A saving faith is a persevering faith. How then are we to respond? Well, Jude's going to talk to us here about three things that we need to pay attention to. We need to pay attention to the gospel. We need to pay attention to ourselves. We need to guard ourselves. And we need to pay attention to others. And let's look at these this morning. What I want us to see, if we heed Jude's advice, we really don't have to worry about dates and we don't need to be afraid or anxious every time a new trial comes into the world. First thing I want you to see with me this morning is the believer and truth. The believer in truth, Jude says in verse 3, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. We are to be contending for the faith. These days we're in right now call for believers who are building themselves up and giving a defense for their faith. And it can be costly. In fact, the word here to contend for the faith is the word agon. You know what, we, what word we get from that? We get the word agony from that. Sometimes defending the faith can be painful. Christians in the past and even Christians today, in fact, have given their very lives for the sake of the gospel. It may be painful. It may be agonizing. But Jude says you and I in these last days need to be contending for the faith. We need to be contending for the gospel. And we're to keep it pure. And notice that he says the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. That communicates that even by the time Jude was writing here in the first century, there was already a body of doctrine, Christian doctrine, that was considered the Christian faith. It wasn't in a state of flux, as some people want to believe today about truth. That it's always changing, it's always in a state of flux. Well, he says when it comes to Christian doctrine, when it comes to the faith, it was once for all delivered to the saints. It's not changing. You know, until the 19th century, it was pretty well a given in orthodox circles that this was so, that it wasn't changing. And so the church always believed in, in the great doctrines like the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus, the substitutionary atonement of Christ, the inerrancy of Scripture, the second coming of Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
for the most part, these were not even doubted on a large scale until we got in the modern era. Because again, Judas saying it was the faith once for all delivered to the saints. How was it delivered to the saints? Through the apostles that God inspired to write the word of God. When the early church did fight against heresy, they dealt with it. Dealt with it decisively. Some of the early church councils, and you know one, one of the very first church councils, Acts 15, the Jerusalem council, they had to meet together and decide because there were some wanting to add additional things to salvation through Jesus Christ. And they said, are we going to allow anything else to be added? Do we add circumcision or any, any other requirement? And what did they say? No. There's nothing else to be added. And so they contended for the faith. But you know, today, strangely, it's almost in vogue to try to undermine biblical truth. Have you ever noticed that? And so what do we need to do? We need to contend for the faith. This past week, we lost a great example who helped the church to do that. Ravi Zachariah. He defended the faith. I would encourage especially parents with young people today, buy some of his books and help your young people be ready to face some of the questions they're going to face in the universities and in life. You can, go, you can Google his name and go on his website and buy some of his books that are going to help you know how to contend for the faith. And, and you know, 1 Peter 3.15 says that we're all to be ready to give a defense for the hope that we have within us. Now, folks, I realize that there are some like uh, Ravi Zacharias who are specially gifted in that, but in these days in which we live today, all of us in the church need to be ready to do that. We need to be ready to give a defense of the faith. Verse 4, Jude tells why. Why was Jude going to write this one letter about our common salvation? And then all of a sudden he says, I put down my pen and picked up another pen and kind of went a different direction. Why did he do that? He says for. You know, when you see a for in Scripture, you need to ask what it's there for. He says... For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. And folks, tragically, that's happening today. You want to know how bad it's getting? A student at Harvard University Divinity School declared pluralism is the new God at Harvard. The basic presumption is that Western religion is not good and Christianity is the worst. He said the new slur like being homophobic is being Christ-centered or Christ-centric. Imagine that. Voices that are training clergy for ministry today are saying that for the church to be Christ-centered is a bad thing. That's the dangerous days we live in. 
Jude reminds his readers that God will judge all such unbelief. And he gives three examples. I wish I had time this morning to go through what he's describing about each of these. That'll be for another time. But he gives three examples of how God has judged unbelief in the past. First of all, there's what? Israel. Those who came out of Egypt in Israel, some of them fell in the wilderness. They didn't make it to the promised land. They were counted among God's people, but they didn't really believe and persevere. And so he, God judged Israel. And then in verse 6, he talks about fallen angels that God judged. And then verse 7, he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. And through these three examples, God is trying to tell you and me something today too. He will not tolerate unbelief. There are people today who scoff at the gospel. They'll say, Jesus is not the only way. You Christians are so narrow. There are people who will mock the gospel, the grace of God. They'll say any lifestyle you choose is perfectly okay and compatible with the gospel. They'll laugh at the goodness of God. They'll say, oh, God is too loving to ever send anybody to a place called hell. On and on they go. In fact, we live in a day where men are waxing worse and worse. And so, again, what's Jude's counsel? Believers need to be prepared today to contend for the truth. Folks, we don't do it so we can win an argument. We do it so that we can be effective ambassadors for Jesus Christ. But we do need to acknowledge we don't live in Mayberry anymore. What are you doing to prepare yourself to contend for the faith? Once for all delivered to the saints. What are, what are you doing? Why are we to contend for the faith? Because it matters what we believe. You know, the Apostle John... He wrote a whole book, 1 John, talking about how proper belief in Jesus, the Jesus we see in the Bible revealed in the New Testament, is a sign of whether somebody's really a Christian or not, whether they've been converted or not. And he points out in five brief chapters that if someone does not believe the biblical testimony concerning the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they are not a Christian regardless of how many times they'll tell you they're a Christian. Well, Jude not only wants us to understand about our relationship to the truth of the gospel and to contend for that, but secondly, he addresses the believer in, and self. Verses 20 and 21, look at that again. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. In other words, when we talk about the believer in self, what Jude is saying here, not only do you and I need to carefully guard our doctrine, but we need to carefully guard ourselves. 
Verses 17 to 19, his message there is don't be discouraged by the climate of the world. There have always been unbelievers out there, proud of their unbelief. They're scoffers and mockers. But you must remember that the Word of God has told you this. It's always been this way, so don't be surprised by it now. These mockers have always mocked the Word of God and instead followed their own passions and lusts. But you know what? Jude is saying to us today that that kind of climate in the world gives you and me the chance to shine all the brighter for the glory of God. And so his command here is actually found in verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. There may be lots of attacks against your faith, but try to make sure you keep yourself in the love of God. Don't let things in the world, don't let mockers out there diminish your walk with God. You see, the Christian life involves proper doctrine and truth like we just talked about in the first point, but it also involves more than that. It involves a proper relationship with God through Christ. And so you and I need to keep ourselves there. We need to be strong in our relationship with Christ. Now, folks, I realize as you read these verses, there's so many different things Jude is saying. It would be easy to get lost in all of the weeds. But there's one single command here that drives everything else. And again, that's found in verse 21. The imperative here is that we are to keep ourselves in the love of God. Everything else... The the three actions he talks about, he gives surrounding that command right there, are given in order to help us keep ourselves in the love of God. And so what's he say? What are those three things? Well, look at what he says in verse 20. By building yourselves up in your most holy faith. The word build here is the Greek word word the root word for a house a believer is like a house under construction there's a good foundation Jesus Christ we don't dare change that we build on that foundation with other doctrines that talk about faithful Christian living every day see the world is trying to dismantle us and tear us down but every day we are to be building ourselves up how do we do that basic building blocks the scripture Bible study that's as foundational as you get D.L. Moody the Billy Graham of his day once said He said, I prayed for faith and thought that one day faith would come down and strike me like lightning. But it never came. Then one day I read in the Bible, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so I opened up my Bible and I started reading my Bible. And once I started reading my Bible, I noticed something. Faith began to grow. 
Every believer ought to have a consistent time in the Word of God. I've told you before, you and I are not going to grow in our Christian lives beyond our appetite for Scripture. If you don't have time in the Word of God, the, the world is bombarding you every day, tearing you down. And you're not countering that with anything. You need to counter it by being in the Word. The Word of God is the very Word of God. And then there's prayer. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Christian fellowship is a third building block. Other believers can help encourage you and strengthen you. Every Christian ought to have a group of Christians they fellowship with. Then service, using what God has given you to be a blessing to others. You see, there needs to be an outlet for your growth. If you're growing and there's no outlet, you're going to stagnate. And then witness. Sharing Christ with others. We'll talk more about that one in a moment too. Those are some of the basic building blocks. When Jude says here that we're to be building ourselves up in our most holy faith, those are some of the most basic ways of doing that. It's not rocket science. Folks, we need to, we need to be building ourselves up and allowing God to grow our faith. Hebrews 2 says, what will happen to us? if we neglect so great a salvation. We don't need to stay baby Christians. We need to build ourselves up. A second thing he says here that's going to help us keep ourselves in the love of God, he mentions praying in the Holy Spirit. He mentions that also in verse 20. As we are building ourselves up in the faith with the Word of God as our foundation in this battle, we also have to be prayer warriors. Praying and Bible reading go together. If you read your Bible but don't pray, you'll have light but no heat. If you pray but don't read your Bible, you'll have heat but no light. There's to be both. Folks, there's a number of problems you and I have with prayer. James says, first of all, we don't pray. And then secondly, sometimes when we do pray, it's asking amiss with wrong motives. And James says we pray selfishly. But what Jude is saying here is we need to make sure we're praying in the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be praying in the Holy Spirit? Well, Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 8. The Spirit will help us. He knows our weaknesses and He knows how to change our intercessions into the perfect kind of intercessions before the Father. He knows how to do that. And He helps us to ensure that we're praying for God's agenda and not our own agenda. That's what it means to pray in the Spirit. And then thirdly here, he says, in order to keep yourselves in the love of God, believers are to be looking for the mercy of God. He says in verse 21, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. The word looking is literally waiting anxiously. In 1 John 2, 28, we're told that we're to be abiding in Him so that when He returns, we will not be found ashamed. What Jude is saying 
in order to keep ourselves in the love of God, there's always got to be this forward look of the believer. We've always got to be thinking of that day that's out there. That day that we see Jesus. We don't have a fear of dying. We don't dread the second coming. We're to be anticipating it. Folks, if that's the way that we're looking and waiting, I can guarantee you we'll be living in holiness because we won't want to be caught unprepared. I heard about a ship that was coming in, had been at sea for a while. Military men and women, and when that ship pulled in, all their families were there waiting, greeting their loved ones stepping off the ship. But one young man had nobody there, and he got home and opened the door, and his wife came and embraced him. And he, she said, Honey, I've been waiting for you. And he said, Yes, darling, but the other men's families were watching for them too. There's a difference, isn't there? Waiting and watching. One's more passive. He's talking here about an active type of watching and waiting. And is that going to make a difference in how we live our lives? Of course it will. We're not to be like the five foolish virgins in the parable of Jesus that in the long delay they quit watching anymore and they grew complacent and they fell asleep. Believers aren't to lose sight of the fact that this very day we might be standing before the judgment seat of Christ. Folks, if we truly live with that realization, is that going to make a difference in how I conduct my life or you conduct your life? Absolutely. If you think this very day, by the close of this day, you might be standing before the Lord giving account of your life. If you live, that, if you live with that Anxious waiting, it will make all the difference in the world how you live. You and I will order our lives differently. Well, Jude has addressed both truth and relationship, but he's not done yet. Look at the third thing he talks about, the believer and others. He says in verse 22, Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch, uh, uh, save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. We're to be a blessing to others. We must minister. People have needs. They're hurting. You've probably found that in the past couple of months. People out there are hurting. You've maybe had a chance to minister to some of those people. Maybe, maybe you've had more opportunities lately than normally you would have. In the context of a dark and lost world, people are hurting. And the worse the world gets, the greater the needs that are going to develop. You know, it's interesting what's happening. The world keeps telling people, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. Many people are following the world's advice, messing up their lives. Then they come to Christians or ministers of the gospel one day and say, Can you help me? My life is a mess. 
Do we mind helping? No, we love it. We're happy to help. But my point is, where's the world? The world lied to people and got them in, in, in messes in their lives in the first place. Now where's the world? Kind of like the prodigal son. As long as he had money, the, the world was ready to help him live it up. But when everything was gone, he realized he had to return to his father. We need to be there for those people who are hurting. Folks, the church is being confronted today with things that we've never had to deal with even a generation ago. Because of all that's happening, some are doubting. Nothing new, just more of it today. Some in Jude's day were doubting because of this onslaught they were facing in the world. Every time bad things happen, there are some people who doubt the goodness of God and they say, how could a loving God let something like this happen? And it's the same today. Jude reminds us that people like that, we need to be merciful. We need to come around those who are doubting and we need to minister to them. We need to help them. We need to let them see the body of Christ in action and let them be encouraged by that and we need to draw them back in not only do we need to minister to people but Jude here says we need to evangelize look at what he says there in verse 23 we need to evangelize snatching people from the fire you know you know one thing this time this time that we've been in has has taught me it's been a reminder to me that the great commission has to go back to you and me as individuals sure we do corporate evangelism in church but when churches haven't been meeting How's the Great Commission going to happen if you and I are not out there sharing the good news of Christ? And you know, that's really the intent in the Great Commission all along, isn't it? Because in Matthew's wording there, Matthew says, as you go, in other words, as you're going about your daily life, at school, at work, in the community, as you go, make disciples. And we've seen during this time of shutdown, if you and I aren't doing that with people that we come in contact with, it's probably not going to get done. And so there needs to be an urgency. It's time that we view the church as who we are and not simply a building that we go to. Let me say that again. It's time... The church views herself as who we are and not just the building that we go to. You and I are the church. And we're to be out there evangelizing. We need to be snatching them out of the fire, Jude says. Some are so close to the edge. They're in great danger. And there needs to be an urgency. What a vivid picture this is. Think if you came upon an accident and you saw somebody in their car, maybe upside down, the car was smoking, and, and you had every ability to get in there and pull that person out. You would, because there would be an urgency to get that person out. Well, Jude is saying that's how many 
many lost people are out in the world and we need to be out there and we need to be snatching them for, uh, from the fire because it's almost too late for some. I wonder, some of these have, that have died of this virus, were they ready to meet the Lord? Were there any Christians around them acting with urgency? I hope so. Snatching them from the fire. Jude says we're to confront. We're to confront there in verse 23 also. He's talking, I believe, about the carnal Christians. Some are polluted by the flesh. They've loved the things in the world, the things of the world and of the flesh too much. Even Christians can fall into that trap sometimes, getting our eyes all focused of what we ought to be focusing on. People get polluted. And they need a loving Christian friend to come around them and draw them back in. But Jude says, be careful as you do so that you're not polluted either. So folks, Jude is teaching the church here that there's got to be this vertical and horizontal focus both. Some Christians only focus on the vertical, God, and forget about everything else. Some don't grow in, in that vertical but they're just out doing stuff in the world. And what's Jude saying? Jude's saying there's got to be both. You've got to fight for the gospel. You've got to stay true to the gospel. You've got to grow in the vertical, your relationship to God through Jesus Christ. You've got to be passionate about that. And then you've also got to be reaching out to others, ministering, and evangelizing and doing both with urgency because time is short back to where we started are we at the end are we at the end of the end I don't know God only knows but one thing I do know we're closer to the end now than when we went into this lockdown a couple months ago the hour is later than it's ever been before. Let me ask you to bow in prayer with me, please. Today I want to ask you to fall more and more in love with God's truth. The written word of God is truth. Jesus said, Father, sanctify them with your truth. Your word is truth. Grow in your love for the truth. Prepare yourself to defend the faith in these last days in which we live. Know what you believe and why you believe it. Make a renewed commitment today that you're going to build yourself up in the faith. Remember, you're like a house under construction. Jesus is the foundation. And you need to build on that with the truth of Scripture. 
You know, Paul points out in Philippians 2 that, that we are to work out our own salvation for it is God who works in us. Isn't that interesting? We have a part to play. We're to, we're to work out our own salvation, but we are to know it's God doing it. As you work on your faith, as you build yourself up, keeping yourself in the love of God, this is God's work in you. God will help you. Also, make a renewed commitment today to help others. Again, more so than ever. With churches not meeting as much right now, you and I as individual Christians need to be out there accomplishing the Great Commission, ministering to people, evangelizing them, drawing them back in. The vertical and the horizontal. Lord, help us to be your people. We're the bride of Christ. You've called us to minister in a dark world, a lost world, a world without hope. God, help us not to be absent without leave, but help us to be living in light of these last days that we're in, being ready. So do come back today. We'll hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our, our emails are going to be up on the screen, right? Okay. Great to see you. <laughs>